Welcome to Puckheads. I'm Matt Rosenberg. Alongside me is Zach Smith, and it is Veterans Day in the middle of November. <sighs> Welcome from snowy and cold Chicago, where it seems like every holiday in the Chicagoland area so far is a snow event, which is not fun for <laughs> for a lot of people in this area. Uh, winter has come with a vengeance, Zach, this year, and <laughs> I have a feeling we are in for a really, really, really bad winter. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we got the first one, Halloween day, um, an absolute blizzard. Woke up today to, uh, depending on where you're at, three to four inches. Um, miserable colds. We're supposed to have some record low temperatures. Welcome to the Midwest in the winter. Absolutely. Look, I... I I'm not going to blame other people at Warsaw, but it started early this year, a lot earlier than it normally does. You normally, you know, it's like Thanksgiving week when we start seeing this stuff, and we've seen it early. <laughs> and uh, tonight it's going to be fun. Like you said, record low temperatures here in the Chicagoland area. Uh, anyway, Zach, I know that we only got a lot on the plate here with some comments that were made by Don Cherry, an update to that story this afternoon that just came down about three hours ago. Uh, but first, I know that we have some actually more recent news that's happened today before we get into Don Cherry. Yeah, so just some uh, some news that came across. Um, Nick Foligno suspended three games for a hit on uh, the Colorado Avalanches player, Bellamare, um, a, a nasty hit. Uh, a player who likes to, likes to play a little rough sometimes. He gets handed the three-game suspension for that play. We also had a trade. Uh, Detroit Red Wings traded Jacob De La Rose, the young offensive player, to St. Louis for Robbie Fabry, another young offensive player. Seems like a win-win for me. Uh, two young guys who couldn't quite put it together in their uh, respective teams, so maybe the change of scenery will uh, will shake it up and allow them to uh, get on a better track. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? I like the Fabry trade, for the, especially for the Detroit Red Wings. I really like it. I think Robbie Fabry is a, a very nice player, someone who's going to sell in Detroit, having maybe more of a role than he would have in St. Louis. Um, so I, I, I like the trade. Like you said, I think it's a win-win for both teams. So, so as you said, uh, yeah, some brief little news. Now let's get into the news that happened earlier this weekend, uh, Saturday night, to be at that. It's Hockey Night in Canada, and if you've ever watched Hockey Night in Canada, you will know that between periods or the pregame, they will have a coach's quarter segment for Don Cherry, and you know he uses this platform to be controversial a lot of times, and he went way beyond that uh, this past weekend, and so. He wanted to, he went to criticize individuals who didn't wear poppy pins leading up to the nation's remembrance day, which, uh, you know, it's Canada's form of Veterans Day. So, quote, I'm going to read this to you. I live in Mississauga, Ontario. Very few people wear the poppy. Downtown Toronto, forget it. Nobody wears the poppy. Now you go to the small cities, you people that come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life. You love our milk and honey? At least you can pay a couple of bucks for a poppy or something like that. These guys paid for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys paid the biggest price for that. These are very divisive comments. And when Don Cherry was 
kind of provided an opportunity to walk back his comments, he did not. He said, I know what I said, and I meant it. He told the Toronto Sun after he fired, after he was fired. Everybody in Canada should wear a poppy to honor our fallen ser- soldiers. He added to, to the newspaper, to keep my job, I cannot be turned into a tamed robot. Close quote. This is very, <laughs> these comments, I, I, I don't know what you think that, but to me they're very offensive comments, and it's just kind of more, you know, it's divisive rhetoric that we don't need, and to assume that a certain group of people who are immigrants are, you know, to single them out and say, well, they don't wear the poppy, when that, that's not true, and, you know, to say that they're the reason that, you know, they like being here, well, they should follow our customs and traditions, it's absolutely bold-faced wrong. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I agree. It's um, obviously we know Cherry's uh, throughout his career, he's had many comments that often uh, get some headlines. And, you know, there's a difference between being controversial and uh, the comments that he made. And, and listen, you know, depending on however you feel about the comments he did make, whether you agree or disagree, um, in the in the politically correct world we live in today, you have to know that if you make those comments – uh, there's going to be some consequences to it. So, yeah, I, I think the biggest piece is, you know, the singling out of of that group referring to immigrants who come into Canada, um, you know, talking about them as you people to to put them on that um, on that platform. It, uh, you know, they're divisive. They shouldn't have been said. And um, I agree with the decision to to let him go. You see that he didn't, you know, apologize or take him back. Shows that. Um, it, it was the right move for them to, to get rid of them. Yeah, and Toronto's a very diverse metropolitan area, one that, you know, it's very diverse. There's people of all genders, of all races, that come, you know, and live in Toronto. It's a, you know, just an incredibly diverse place. You've seen it at NHL games. You saw it in the NBA Finals with Toronto. And, and it's one of the coolest cities that there is, and to single them out and say, well, you know, because, you know, people who are immigrants who come here, you know, they're ruining it. As, as you mentioned, Zach, there's just no place for that in the, today's world. And John Cherry was fired by Sportsnet this afternoon. Uh, this is a guy who survived a lot of controversy, but I, to me, this was just way over the line. And Sportsnet was right to fire him after they didn't call him out for the comments in the first place. Yeah, it's, um, you know, Sportsnet ultimately made the right decision in firing him. Um, maybe they could have handled it a little better. You see about 36 to 48 hours pass before um, they make that final decision. It's uh, it, it's disappointing to see it happen. Uh, you just got to, you know, take the consequences, let him go. Sportsnet will move on, and hopefully we can move on with a more inclusive uh, NHL broadcast. Absolutely, and, and I think that's what we all want, ultimately. Going on um, to a better story in, in Veterans Day, uh, Sidney Crosby gave a, a local veteran of the Army a, his card that he won at the 2019 All-Star Game for the MVP award. He gave it to Madeline Molizo, who's served as an Army specialist for the past five years. She's a single mother who did not have a car, 
and had to ride the bus to school and work and to take her three-year-old son to daycare. So she was part of an event that where veterans visited the Pittsburgh Penguins practice facility, and she led her to a garage and gave her this gift as a car, you know, a car, so that she has a car to go around, and it's just an incredible act by Sidney Crosby, and, and what makes him one of the best athletes in the game today, just incredibly selfless, and a great way to honor uh, veterans. Absolutely, I mean, uh, hats off to him, Sidney Crosby, one of my favorite players, both on and off the ice, um, a great gesture uh, by him, and you know, we see this more and more. It, deser- it deserves the publicity. The NHL really overall does a good job at um, helping out people in the community, being active um, with people who need it. So just another great example of uh, some of the great people that play currently in the NHL. Um, a great video to watch. Um, if you get a chance to see it, you should, because these moments are always great. You know, bring a tear to your eye and uh, a great way to honor Veterans Day. Absolutely. It is a great way to on our Veterans Day, and just, yeah, to me, one of the best things so far uh, that we've seen in the last several days. I I agree with you. It is one of the best things that I've seen in a while, and then just Sidney Crosby does it right, as do a lot of hockey players. So uh, kudos to Sidney Crosby. Uh, Really quickly, today, the NHL announced that they are going to be going back to Europe for the next two seasons. Uh, no reports on, uh, on who will be going there, obviously. But there will be more games to come. And, you know, Gary Bevan announcing that the NHL will go to Europe. Sorry, that was Friday. Excuse me. Uh, they will play regular season games in Europe in 2020 with Finland and the Czech Republic each holding games. Um, I wonder if you're going to see the New York Rangers go on this trip to Finland with Kapokakao. Uh The Czech Republic can be uh, a lot, but the Czech Republic will actually be the Boston Bruins and the National Predators. They will open that season in Prague. Uh, they actually they did announce the team, so it's, that's my fault. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche and the Columbus Blue Jackets will play later in the year in Helsinki. I wonder if that would be what you see the Avalanche and the Blue Jackets maybe go over like in November, like the Buffalo Sabres and Tampa Bay Lightning did earlier this weekend when they went to, uh, yeah, they, they were in Sweden for two games. So, and see if there's any more games. I Let's see if I can find out. Anything else, but uh, no, I it's just very impressive by the NHL. They continue to grow the game abroad, absolutely. I mean, this was, um, you know, a no brainer, I think, to continue these games. The NHL obviously is has its uh, mainstay in, in the United States and in Canada, um, but when you've got players coming from all over the world, uh, especially over in Europe, I think it's great. Any opportunity you can get some teams out there to uh, have some of these matches. So we saw the uh, the Blackhawks and the Flyers open the season in Prague this year, which was a great time. Um, as you mentioned, we saw the teams playing in Sweden over the weekend with Tampa and with were they playing Buffalo um, over there in yes. Sweden in the in their back to back games. So. You know, it's a great time. It's a great atmosphere. Um, you're growing the game, and 
you know, those are two, I think, two great matchups. It's going to be awesome to see Nashville and Boston square off um, at the opener of the season in Prague next year, especially when you consider their two Stanley Cup uh, potential teams who could be playing for the Cup. And, yeah, I, I think the more games they play, as long as they can work on the scheduling and get it right, uh, seems like a no-brainer to me. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Tampa won both of those games in Sweden. The NHL says that they will be returning to Sweden for the 2021-2022 season, but there's no date or, you know, venue or teams that have been selected for that. I mean, that will probably come way in the future, I am sure. Um, right, let's get to uh, the Maple Leafs without Mitch Marner. Uh, Mitch Marner goes down with an ankle injury, for, and he's out for at least four weeks. That's a huge loss for the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is a team that's really starting to play well. They're second in the Atlantic Division. They've lost their last two games. They lost to Philly in a shootout on Saturday night. Then last night, they lose to the Blackhawks in a wild 5-4 game. But, you know, Mitch Marner is someone who's going to be tough to replace for this team. Luckily, they have the depth with, you know, Nylander and Tavares and Matthews and, and you, you know, guys that they can wind up surviving without. But Mitch Marner led this team in assists with 14. He's second in the team with 18 points. Mitch Marner's a huge loss for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Yeah, absolutely agree. He's um, not just one of the best guys in Toronto, but um, in all of the Eastern Conference, uh, you see how much he got paid because of his ability this offseason. It's a big loss for them, uh, as you said, at least four weeks with that ankle injury. I think they'll remain competitive. Um, I don't see them having a complete free fall out of the standings, as you said, three points behind Boston and the Atlantic. Um, I do think there's a little cause for concern. They're in the bottom half of both special teams. That was even with Marner playing. Um, that certainly doesn't help them with him being out. So there's some areas of the team that they definitely need to improve on. Uh, we'll see if they're able to weather the storm while Marner uh, you know, gets that ankle back up to 100%. Absolutely, and, and as you mentioned, it's kind of surprising that their special teams have struggled a little bit throughout the season, especially that power play with all that offensive talent. Now, that said, I believe they had, what, two power play goals last night against the Hawks, but it is surprising to see this team struggle so much early on in terms of special teams, but they have plenty of time to get it figured out, and with John Tavares returning and then Mitch Marner going out. But Tavares is a huge get. He kind of helps stabilize things down the middle for the Maple Leafs. And, and look, and they've been playing pretty good hockey for the most part lately. So I, I think they'll be able to survive the Mitch Marner injury because of how much talent they have. It's not They don't just rely solely on Mitch Marner. So I, you know, I, I think they'll figure it out, and I think that they'll be fine. So... Uh, really quickly, let's go to the Buffalo Sabres, who have fallen out of the top of the Atlantic Division. They're actually in fifth place now. They've lost five in a row, and in those five games, they have been outscored 18 to, what, 18 to 8. And you want to talk about a team that's just struggling mightily. They get swept in Sweden in the two-game series with the Tampa Bay Lightning there. This is just a team that's, they're not playing well. And to get one point in your last five games, the shootout loss against Arizona, they have not won a game, Zach, since October 25th, which is, that's two and a half weeks ago. 
And, you know, this is a team that we were talking about. Ooh, they've come out of the gate really strong. They're playing very well. And now it's just kind of all seemed to fall apart for them all at once. Yeah, this is a team that obviously we had um, our eye on throughout the first month of the season. Uh, a team that, you know, we were a little suspect of, but we really were hoping that they could sustain some of the early success they were having. Uh, like you said, five in a row, they get swept pretty, uh, pretty easily in Sweden against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, the offense is struggling like it wasn't earlier. You see them getting um, outshot and outscored by a large margin. So, you know, they've got the pieces to be able to, uh, to turn it around here pretty quick. Um, this is a division that you don't want to fall out of, you know, early because it's going to be hard to make it up with some of the uh, great teams. It's, uh, it's a little, I don't know, it's not surprising because we were both suspicious of their early success. We've seen them do this before where they start hot the first month and then show who they really are. Yep. Um, I'm hoping that they're able to turn it around here. Yeah, we'll see. You know, look, there's still plenty of time, and this is where you're going to really find out who the Buffalo Sabres are as a hockey club. Are they ones that can finally overcome resiliency? And this is a team that has not shown that resiliency in the past. As soon as they get punched in the mouth, things fall apart. And so we'll see if anything's different. I I know that, you know, I've been very skeptical of them, and as have you. So we'll, we'll see. I bet they're in a very competitive division. You know, Montreal's, I think, you know, Montreal's good again. Boston, Toronto, of course. And the Florida Panthers are right there. Like, it's a tough division. And But if you're the Buffalo Sabres, you were able to play winning hockey. You have to get back to that and back to those and, and not get involved in these shootouts which, you know, can be hard to win. I mean, any shootout can be hard to win, no matter, you know, what team you are. All right, um, let's get to the Chicago Blackhawks really quickly, recap their week. Um, it was an absolute horrendous performance in San Jose. They lose 4-2. They come back, they win 5-2 over Vancouver. They go to Pittsburgh. They have a 2 nothing lead. They blow that, lose in a shootout 3-2. And then last night, they win a wild game against Toronto back in the United Center on a back-to-back. Robin Leonard makes 53 saves, uh, which when they went 5-4, he got hit over 57 shots at goal. The Blackhawks were outshot by 23 shots. They get the win, mainly thanks to their incredible first period where they got four goals. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, the um, the Blackhawks are a team that um, just when we think they might be starting to put it together um, in the early part of this season, they really just break your heart. I mean, they go into San Jose, they lose 4-2, to two, and um, the game really wasn't that close. Uh, nope. The score makes it seem a little closer than it actually was, um, but San Jose just dominated them. The win against Vancouver is surprising because Vancouver is one of the top teams in the West. Um, they've got a great start to the season to go out and um, and to win in that fashion. I mean, Corey Crawford played phenomenal, 36 saves, uh, 947 save percentage, um, pretty much lights out against Vancouver. Then they break your heart against Pittsburgh. They blow that 2-0 lead, and then they get beat in the shootout. Um, and then, like you said, Toronto, they put up four in the first period. That's the only reason why they're really able to hold on. Otherwise, they should have lost that game, how they played in the second and third. This is a team that, um, if they don't have a really great first period, 
there's a good chance that they're not going to be able to hold on. And um, I don't know if, if you pin that on coaching. I don't know if you pin that on um, the defense not being able to stay consistent for a full 60 minutes. Uh, you know, they're showing you signs of, of good hockey, but they're just unable to sustain that throughout an entire game. I think it's all of the above, really, when you look at it. As you mentioned, that they're not able to sustain defensively for 60 minutes. Uh, I do think that it is on coaching. This team has not looked improved to me at all. I will say that, you know, I like what they're doing as an organization, letting Boquist and Doc play and take their lumps. You know, and it seems like Doc's getting some more minutes and Boquist is getting opportunities. It made no sense, though. Look, Jeremy Collington was sold as he's a great communicator when he came up here. But he didn't really do a good job of talking to Brent Seabrook and letting him know that he was scratched. Seabrook said, well, I, I wasn't told. And then he sits Doc and Boquist on Saturday night. The kids are here. Let them play. <laughs> There's no reason to not have the kids play in games. If they are here and they can play, let them play. They're, you know, you can talk about this load management crap later on. But, you know, these kids are going to have to learn at some point that an NHL season is not 70 games long, it's 82 games long. So, you know, to me, it's, you know, you keep playing them until they start showing signs of fatigue. For God's sakes, Kirby Doc is 18 years old. Adam Boquist is 19 years old. Zach, I can tell you, as someone who is a decade plus older, older than them, they have probably a lot more stamina than I do, regardless of you know their body type and my body type. But you know they have a lot more stamina. You have to teach them that look, there's going to be brutal stretches where there's four sits and you have to play them all. I, I just I I thought the load management crap was just it was a bullet excuse by Jeremy Collin. You know I'm not a fan, but. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It seems like a disservice to two guys that you're thinking yep. are going to be, you know, cornerstone pieces for your franchise for the next 10 to 12 years. Um, you would put Tabrinkat along with there, some of the younger guys. But, you know, these are your, your most recent number one uh, picks. They're the guys that need to produce for you to have a chance at uh, turning around from the past few seasons you've had. I agree. I mean, they're playing what? Uh, about 15 games so far. They're young. They've yeah. got the energy. Put them, put them in that game. There's no reason why they should be healthy scratches. Again, if they're a little burnt out towards the uh, middle of the season, maybe give them a week off before All-Star break. Let them have that rest then. Um, there's things you can do, but this early in the season for the two guys that are supposed to be the next guys for the Chicago Blackhawks, there's no reason why they shouldn't be out there on the ice. Here's my problem with it, okay? You had four and six, right? San Jose, Vancouver, Pittsburgh, Toronto. It, what five and eight, if you want to count it, right? From Sunday, you know, Anaheim, San Jose, uh, Vancouver, Pittsburgh, Toronto. Okay, you're off until Wednesday. You, you get the pleasure of going out to Vegas on a very, very quick trip to Vegas, and then you have another two days off between that game and Nashville on Sunday night. I mean, you know, it's. There's your rest. Exactly. Right there. They, right. Take your, There's take your rest. Three days. Yeah. You have a back-to-back. So what, you're going to sit them out against either Carolina or Toronto, Tampa Bay the following week? I, you know, this is a schedule that, like, you know, they're going to see Colorado four times in the span of three weeks. In the span of three weeks. And that's all they see of Colorado in that span. 
for the whole season, which is a scheduling quirk. But that my point is is that you know they have plenty of time and they will be fine. I, they're big boys and they can handle it. So that that that's all I have to say about that. Absolutely. I mean, a successful season for the Blackhawks doesn't necessarily look like playoffs, at least the way they're playing this year. Yeah, what it has what that. it has to be is these two guys getting as much uh, time as they can on the ice, getting them as many minutes as possible, let them be mentored by some of the, the good uh, veteran players on the offensive and defensive end. The only way this season can be a success is if you get them to a point where they can progress each and every day. So if you're not allowing them that opportunity – Again, we talked about it. What's the point of having them up on the main roster? What's the point of taking that year off their eligibility? It doesn't make sense to have a healthy scratch for them. It's really, it, it, it's, I don't, I don't know. I think we're both pretty frustrated about it. Um, it seems like a no-brainer to have them out on the ice. Well, you've already burned through dots for your eligibility or burned through both questions. And at that point, even though I don't think it will happen, because they have too many defensemen, but you might as well bring, you know, Nicholas Bozan up here and let him take his lumps in the NHL if, if you're going to be, you know, that type of team. Um, I mean, I, I do think you will see Ian Mitchell at the end of the season for the Blackhawks, assuming that, you know, I mean, if his team goes to the Frozen Four, then he won't. But, you know, that that's the next guy that they've got to get signed and, and, you know, hopefully sign him after this year. You don't want that guy going into a senior year unsigned because... Ian Mitchell is having a season right now in Denver. Looks like a Hobie Baker favorite. All right, let's go to our top three teams of the week. Uh, Zach, I'll start with my 3-2-1. Uh, my third team is the Boston Bruins. They are 11-3-3. Ironically, they've lost three in a row. But, you know, I go to this the fact that this team has been very consistent uh, they find a way to scratch out points, and, you know, this is a team that has just been dominant so far, and Tuka Rask has been phenomenal again so far. They have a plus-17 goal differential, but this is a Boston team that I don't think will be down for long, and by the way, they are undefeated in regulation at home so far. My number two team is the St. Louis Blues, who have been phenomenal. They've won seven in a row. They just they keep on churning. It doesn't matter that Vladimir Tarasenko is not there. This is a St. Louis team that has been phenomenal. They just keep finding ways to get it done. Uh, you know, they win close games. They win low-scoring games. And, but they're also comfortable in shootouts. And winning at Edmonton 5-2, just a very, very impressive victory for them last week. Uh, going through the Western Canadian swing and winning all three games. So the St. Louis Blues, to me, are the number two team. And the number one team is the Washington Capitals. How about this? They've won six in a row, 9-0-1 in their last 10, 13-2-3 so far on the season. And this is a team that just, I mean, beat Vegas. They beat a hot Florida team in Florida. Uh, you know, the Washington Capitals, they just continue to find ways to get it done. This is a team that, man, they are just so consistent every regular season with how they just seem to dominate. And they have scored the most goals in the NHL at 74. And second place isn't even close. Second place is nine goals out. And that team is the Nashville Predators. Yeah, I mean, a, a great top three. We have a lot of similarities between ours. Um, I'll 
I mean, I've got Washington 1, St. Louis 2. I'll touch on them a little bit. By number 3, where we differ, I've got the New York Islanders. Um, you know, they hit ten game, uh, a 10-game win streak. It was snapped in an ov- overtime loss to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, they've won 11 of 12. They're still um, just as hot as they've been. Uh, offense is still firing on all cylinders. Defense and um, their goaltenders are playing well enough to match the offensive firepower. I've got them as my number three. Number nah. two, uh, just like you, the St. Louis Blues, Tarasenko goes down. You know, they, this is a team that knows how to take adversary, ad, excuse me, adversity and, um, you know, have success out of it. Winning the cup last year was remarkable going from worst to first, but all it's done is give them more confidence that they know that there's nothing that can come their way that they can't handle. And that's something that some of these teams you see, like in Buffalo, when it gets tough, they don't know how to overcome that. They don't know how to get out of a rut. They don't know how to start winning again. St. Louis is on a roll. Tarasenko goes down. They play even better to make up for his loss, uh, my number two team. Washington, what more can you say about them other than they're just phenomenal? Every aspect of their game is great. Um, The offense is terrifying to play against if you're a goalie on the other team. Um, They play the best teams in the West and East, and they beat them pretty handily. It's it's getting a little boring talking about them in the number one spot, but I just don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. They're that good, and as a – Pittsburgh fan, someone who really doesn't like cheering for Washington, they're hard to not enjoy watching. They're just that good this year. Absolutely, yeah. They, they've been phenomenal. And they're, they're going to have a titanic matchup with the St. Louis Blues later this week. That's going to be a fun one to watch. All right, let's get to our players of the week. Uh, I'll go first. I have Connor McDavid. Four goals, two assists. He had a hat trick last night against the Anaheim Ducks which meant that he recorded his 400th career point already, which is just incredible to think and mind-boggling. You also think that, like, had he been healthy and not been injured, he'd probably have another 50 points or so. Uh, with the time they missed, what, you know, probably 50 to 100 points. And I just watched him watching that game last night, the highlights, just watching him skate around people. <laughs> it's like everybody's in quicksand, and he's just... I, I love watching Connor McDavid skate. And, uh, yeah, Connor McDavid, four goals, two assists. You are my player of the week. Yeah, I mean, he's there's really not much you can say about him at this point other than he's just fantastic. That goal he went from end to end last night against Anaheim, gets the pass at the, uh, at the middle of the ice, and takes it and puts at least six or seven moves right in the crease on the goaltender. Uh, phenomenal week for him. My player of the week is someone that you're pretty fond of. Uh, Kale McCarr, Colorado Avalanche. Uh, this young defender is just fantastic. Uh, six points in three games over the last week. He had his first career two-goal game. Um, Colorado just annihilated Nashville over the last the week. I believe it was 9-4 to four on, yeah, a week, s- on a weekday game. What did they score, like six goals in eight minutes or something like yeah, that? Yeah, just... Um, you know, he's I'll get big, it for you. Yeah, he's a big reason for their offensive firepower. Um, it's always good to have some good scores coming from the blue line. Um, yeah, there's not much you can say other than he's a great young player. He's one of the best at his position already, uh, which which bodes well for the success of the Avalanche for their future. He's my player of the week. You know, when you look at Kale McCard, this is somebody, remember, he exploded out of the scene last year in the playoffs. 
you know, came up uh, after his college season ended. He was successful. He got a goal one in his second NHL playoff game. And Kale McCart's been a point-per-game player so far for the Colorado Avalanche. And he's been one of the reasons why they've been so successful. And when you look at the future, the defense with Samuel Girard, Kale McCart, you know, Bowen Byram's uh, still coming, that is a deep defense. And they're all young. And they can all skate. Yeah, it's... Um... They're going to be a team that's fun to watch for years to come, starting from those three guys you mentioned on the blue line. Yeah. Um, that, it was, I mean, what Colorado did, that was in the second period of that Nashville game. It, it was an eight-minute stretch, and it was a six goals in eight minutes. It's just incredible. I mean... <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they made Pecorine look like uh, an AHL goaltender. It was... Yeah. Uh, just a remarkable showing by them. Yeah, and and their fastest stretch of goals, I believe, since the game when they were in the Quebec Nordiques in 1992. Just incredible. All right, let's get to our game of the week, Zach. I have two high-scoring offenses, uh, meaning Thursday night, the Colorado Avalanche. They'll be going to Edmonton. Connor McDavid versus Nathan McKinnon. Uh, you know, Leon Dreisaitl versus uh, Gabriel Landeskog and, and, and Rantanen, Rantanen, excuse me. Uh, I think that's going to be a really fun game to watch. It's a little bit of a later game, but, oh, boy, that, that would be well worth staying up to watch. Yeah, it was uh, it was hard to pick just one game from this week's slot. Um, as you mentioned, you've got Washington-St. Louis playing later. Um, Colorado and Edmonton is going to be a good game. The one I'm going with, Washington at Boston, Saturday night uh, at 6 p.m. The top two teams in the East colliding uh, Washington's offensive firepower versus Tuka Rask and net for Boston. Um, two of the best teams in the league going at it for this one. Um, I think it's going to be certainly one of the best games of the week and uh, must-watch TV. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be must-watch TV. That's... That's going to be a fun one. Washington, Boston, it never disappoints, and they their games usually have a little bit of a nastiness to them as well. All right, well, Zach, it is time for our familiar segment, Sats Hits. So why don't you go take it away? Perfect. So, again, betting segment of the podcast. Uh, follow our Twitter, PuckheadPod, to get my uh, daily picks. So far in the season, for my podcast picks, again, I do three of the Tuesday games on the podcast uh seven and three in those ten and six overall since the podcast started so um we've got some good picks so far let's get into these tuesday night games uh a a lot of games to pick from first one i went with minnesota at the los angeles kings uh minnesota favored here they've got it at minus one and a half um you know los angeles hasn't had a good start to the season but I think at home against Minnesota, I want I want you to take them with the points. Take the Kings plus one and a half. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game for two of the worst teams out of the West. Then you go into uh, a much better game, in my opinion. You have the Florida Panthers traveling to Boston to play the Bruins. Uh, Boston's minus 180 on the money line. I think money line's better because I don't know if they're going to cover the points. Uh, Florida's, you know, a tough out with the way they've been playing lately. So I think just taking Boston on the money line is going to be a good bet for you. 
And then a later game, uh, Arizona at St. Louis. Actually, um, you know, one of the best games, I think, probably the best game tomorrow night. Arizona's playing Washington tonight. They were actually um, on the Puckhead Pod Twitter for the team that I picked tonight. I think if you're the Coyotes and you go to Washington one night and then you go to St. Louis the next night, that's a hell of a doubleheader. Um, the over and under is 5.5. I think Arizona is going to be feeling beat up from uh, tonight's game against Washington. I think St. Louis is going to light them up, uh, take the over, especially at 5.5 points. Um, you know, that's a pretty – you just got to hit six there. St. Louis could easily put that up in, uh, in the first 40 minutes. Take the over in the Arizona and St. Louis game. All right. Well, those are stats. Hit so you can find them at the Puckhead Pod on Twitter. You can also contact us at puckheadspodcast at gmail.com if you want to get involved with the show that way. Uh, really quickly, just want to uh, thank everybody uh, you know, who's a service matter member. Thank our veterans for all that they do and, and you know all the sacrifices that they have to make to defend our country or other countries as well. You know, I think veterans, um, and so just want to thank, you know, all the military men and women who have served our country on this Veterans Day. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So for Zach Smith, I am Matt Rosenberg. We will catch you again next week right here on Puckheads.